You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the G Talk Show with G Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, this episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain with guaranteed free delivery until December 24th on most items. Stay tuned for their Death Wobble Tech Guide and video announcement later in this episode. Hey, got a Jeep? Want a Jeep? Never driven anything but Jeeps? Well, this show is for you. Tommy, <laughs> or Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Who's, who the hell's Tommy? I know. I was, just, well, I was called Tommy when I was in eighth grade all uh, the time. Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Who would have thunk it? All right, so anybody here thinks they're going to have a pile of Jeep parts under their tree this year? Uh, yeah, I don't even have anybody <laughs> in the family that supports my addiction, so I'll be lucky to even see my Jeep over the holiday. Yeah, and you know, Josh, I'm here. I'm in the same boat here, but I did buy my kids some new Legos, so guess what that means? I'm going to have a Jeep fund for 2019. Hey, speaking of things coming up, what's coming up on this episode, Tony? Well, Tammy, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we'll be talking to the good folks from CB World. The Josh specifically will be talking to them. Uh, this week in Jeep, we'll hear about the well-known Jeep engine that may make a comeback. Uh, and the EU has <laughs> pronounced EU has some negative things to say about the new Wrangler. Tammy has a Wrangler cabin air filter update. In Wrangler talk, you know, this is really good, Tammy, because of all the folks who are going to be traveling to Grandma's house here in the next few days that you need that clean air. Uh, we're going to have our second installment of How to Get Your Ham Radio License. And Nikki Jeep stops in for some holiday cheer, or as we like to say, an update from the mothership. And of course, much, much more. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the web, not a Cherokee was staring, not even on The Walking Dead. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Muddenrock would soon be there. The jeepers were all nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of lift kits danced in their heads. Your mother and her moo and I and my thong were just settling in to do something very wrong. When out on the lawn there arose such a kapak, I sprang from the bed to see what the f- Yes, quite. Off to the window I dodged your mama's grip. Picked up the rifle, you know, the one with the big thermal scope. The LED light bar had lit up the new fallen snow, gave the look of midday to the objects below. Looking upward from the beadlocks on what do my eyes lay? But a fat dude in red velour climbing out of a sweet XJ. He was armored in red and had axles that did lock. Sitting on 35-inch crawlers, I knew it was St. Muddenrock. More rapid than a Nicky G rant, his hails they came. And he yelled, and he shouted, and he called them by name. Now locker, now tree strap, now fender and shackle. On ARB, on rough country, worn and something that rhymes with shackle. To the top of the trail, through even the deepest of snow. Now download, now download the latest Jeep Talk show. Like a bound up driveline, new joints will fly. When they meet with an obstacle, wheel stands will fly. Now off to see other good Jeepers is what he must do. With a Jeep full of goodies and St. Muddenrock, too. Merry Christmas, Jeepers, from yours truly, Richard Cranium Oswell III. 
to Jeep News, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is, as always, brought to you by Amazon.com. Hey, are you one of those last-minute shoppers and, well, you pretty much haven't done anything yet? Well, Amazon is here to rescue your butt this holiday season. And the Jeep Talk Show has got your back as well. Just head over to our website, JeepTalkShow.com, and click the big Amazon icon that you see right there. It will take you straight to Amazon.com, where anything you purchase will have a small percentage donated to help out the Jeep Talk Show in our times of need. That's right, guys. You're looking for a way to support the show? Just use the Amazon button on our website, and we thank you in advance. Well, the Jeep Wrangler gets a poor safety rating report card, but Ooh. it's in Europe. It's in Europe, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> now, you would think that Jeep's ambitious plans to sell up to 12,000 high-profit margin new Wranglers in Europe per year would be hurt by news that it fared poorly in a recent European safety test. But that doesn't seem likely, you know, because it's a Jeep and people like Jeeps for what they are, not what the government wants them to be. Now, the new Jeep Wrangler scored a one star Euro NCAP rating out of a possible five. At the same time, other new cars like the Audi Q3, BMW X5, Hyundai Santa Fe FE, Jaguar I-Pace, Peugeot 508 and Volvo V60 were all awarded five out of five stars. A routine score for new cars and SUVs in Europe, apparently. Now, the Euro NCAP, or the European New Car Assessment Program, is based in Brussels and is backed by the European Union. Its recommendations are not legally binding, however, so this is why we can more or less disregard their complaints as opinions more than anything. Matthew Avery, research director at Thatcham Research, said the Wrangler achieved only a 50% adult occupant protection score. Thatcham Research is an independent British consultancy which advises insurers and vehicle manufacturers on how best to engineer safety. He says, quote, the Jeep Wrangler is an entirely new vehicle and doesn't come cheap. Buyers paying over 50,000 pounds or 62,800 on a vehicle American should expect more than a one-star safety rating. No AEB or auto emergency braking system is equipped, which is unheard of in this price bracket. There were a number of issues with the Wrangler in impact testing, too, in terms of deformation of the footwell and damage to connecting structures, while the makeup of the dashboard was seen to present a risk to occupants, end quote. Well, by that colorful description, one would think that you're at risk of a mutilating death by merely sitting in or next to a new Wrangler. Well, FCA's response to this, quote, Safety is of the utmost importance at FCA, and as such, our latest Jeep Wrangler complies with all safety legislation in every market in which it is sold. Take that, Europe. Ed Kim, analyst at California-based Auto Pacific, says the Wrangler historically has never done particularly well in U.S. safety tests, and the Euro NCAP tests are, well, they place an even stronger premium on advanced driver assistance systems. Now, there's the key word right there. Now, while the 2019 Wrangler in the U.S. market has added adaptive cruise control and forward collision warning, the Wrangler is still lacking in what they call basic safety technologies, like lane-keeping assist, emergency auto-braking, or as I like to call them, the features in new cars that are encouraging people to develop lazy driving habits. Having a hard time controlling a vehicle enough to keep it in your own lane? Well, instead of removing idiots like you from the road, let's develop technology that steers for you. We've decided it's a good idea for the driving window lickers out there to color within the lines. Oh, are you one of those who can't be bothered to keep your eyes on the road? No problem. Don't see this as an indication that perhaps you need to be removed from the gene pool or at the very <laughs> least prevented from driving anything larger than a Hot Wheels car. No, let's develop technology that not only alerts you that you're not paying attention because of 
apparently it's perfectly fine to be oblivious to this condition, but also applies the brakes for you. I mean, stopping a car is a lot of work after all, and why should you be bothered? You've got places to go, like Starbucks for the third time today. Here, you know what? You're just too occupied with other things to learn how to drive properly. No problem, stay on the road. Here's a whole suite of technology that will basically drive for you. After all, everybody's a winner, everyone is equal, and everyone should deserve to be on the road no matter how bad of a driver they are. We have technology! Jeez. Well, apparently the lack of these babysitting devices in a modern era off-road vehicle is enough to have caused the snowflakes across the pond to grade the new Wrangler quite poorly. My response? So what? Oh, God. Thank you. God! Oh, why? You know, many of us came from there. Why is it that they just don't get it? I mean... It's, it's a Wrangler. What was it? The meme that says uh, we've uh, disabled the uh, the airbags. Uh, we're not wearing seat belts. We die like men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> oh, gee. You know, I, I can't. When you're reading this, Josh, I, I can't help but think of the old uh, SNL skit uh, <laughs> that Dan Aykroyd did with uh, Jane Curtin. Uh, the reoccurring skit, oh, Point. <laughs> counterpoint she would make a very well uh, put together point to uh, dan Aykroyd, and then da- dan Aykroyd's first response was always jane you ignorant slut <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll never forget that oh it was days. hilarious it was hilarious and, and it, it was very poignant because that was the way uh and 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 largely still women are still treated that way we don't care what you say it's just it doesn't make any difference but anyway uh but before digressing any further i I don't understand this you know i was listening to uh, john's uh podcast about uh, the sinister podcast about range rovers uh land rovers sorry john (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna slap me for that one so uh but they were talking about uh land rover looking into putting a uh, steering mechanism, remote steering mechanism, so that you could leave your vehicle while off-road and let it traverse a particularly dangerous uh, rock formation or you literally would drive it remotely until it was safe to get back in the vehicle and continue on. No, just... (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, and and the Center Steer Podcast group was was very adamant about no absolutely yeah, not thank you thank you god <laughs> I, see, I know we have them on the four by four radio network for a reason like uh, those guys <laughs> one yeah. of these days all this technology is going to take over the world just like sarah connor said yep yep and uh, uh but we'll be okay because we'll all have those uh, heated seats even uh, yes. during global warming it'll be too hot well, uh, FCA's new uh, automotive, uh, you know, controlling software, they're actually calling in 2020 uh, Skynet. So, there you go. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm kidding. Well, there you I'm go. kidding. <laughs> that would be funny. Self-fulfilling prophecy there. Well, speaking of blasts from the past, will the famous inline six see a comeback? Oh, God, yes. Fiat Chrysler Automobile's long-rumored resurrection of the inline-six engine is back in the news. This week, Allpar published a new report that attempts to shed some light about the highly anticipated powertrain resurrection. Rumors say that it will go by the name Tornado and have a displacement of just under 3 liters. Going above that displacement threshold would impose higher taxes in some parts of the world, such as in Europe. Once again, I say, so what? We (laughs) Americans, we like cubic inches. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, it's believed the engine will make its debut on a production model in the revival of the Grand Wagoneer, although it might end up first, most likely, in the next-generation Grand Cherokee, which has also been in the news lately. Coincidence? Hmm. Time will tell. Now, eventually, the Dodge Charger and Challenger will feature this engine as well. It's also rumored that the future Ram pickups will get this new inline-six motor as a base engine instead of the current Pentastar V6. Now, another very interesting rumor is that it is believed to be just as powerful as the 5.7-liter Hemi, or possibly even stronger. Good now, here's where thing, yeah. Now, here's where things get real interesting. In order to accomplish these claims, however, reports are saying that there will be some sort of form of forced induction, and that this induction will reportedly take the shape of twin turbochargers and or a twin scroll turbo setup. Now, according to the report, Alfa Romeo and Maserati models, also under the FCA umbrella, are also expected to get a pair of turbos coming up in the following years and make use of Ferrari-designed blocks and heads. Now, think about that as it may apply to Jeeps. It may not be in the too-distant future where one could claim that they have a Ferrari motor in their Jeep. Now, to ensure a compact size, the newly developed unit is allegedly being engineered with a, quote, relatively small bore setup, closely spaced, unquote while the usual steel cylinder liners will be made, uh, be made way for aluminum setup. Now, as per the official press release published by Jeep in early June, this new engine may not be slated to roll out until 2022, if it sees the light of day at all. Now, it remains to be seen whether or not the inline-six engine is officially on the agenda or not, and if it is, well, if that is the case, which models will be offered with the powertrain is also going to be up in the air. If the rumor mill is accurate, there will likely be multiple configurations of the engine to carry cater a wide variety of models. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. So do you get the feeling that the twin turbo is uh, both for high-end uh, horsepower, or is it like the like think that Ford was doing where they had a turbo that uh, allow, uh, helped you in the low end and then another turbo for the higher end? And I see that's what I think this is going to be set up like, kind of a sequential turbo sort of thing. So you don't get so much turbo lag. It's a little more friendly in yeah. town, in traffic, and eh, on the trail yes. where you need all that power lower in the RPM range. So, yeah, the very, very curious of how this is all going to play out. Now, as everybody knows, the original four liter inline six, the tractor motor, as some people referred to it, was a torque monster. And there's even some companies out there like, uh, what is it, a 505, 606, 707 performance or whatever they're called that are, that are doing like, you know, alcohol conversions, um, at getting a thousand horsepower out of a, out of a, you know, Ford <laughs> four liter. Oh, it's insane. There's yeah. some videos out there that will blow your mind. Inline uh, motors really have been used for many, many decades across multiple vehicle manufacturers because it is a very good engine platform that can produce a fair amount of torque and horsepower. Something that is, well, very needed, very much needed in our Jeeps. Hey, do you guys have a news tip or response to any one of our stories? We'd like to hear what you have to say. Make sure to let us know what you got to report on by phone or by email. number of ways to let us know, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with the world-famous CB World. Hi, this is the FM Jeeper from Connecticut, and my son wanted to tell you about his favorite Jeep Talk Show segment. Thanks, guys. You guys put on a good show. I thought well, maybe thanks. once I had the headphones on, I'd be able to understand what his, <laughs> what his child was saying, but I, I couldn't. 
I think it's like his favorite part of the Jeep talk show is the whole Jeep talk show. He likes the whole thing. Right. I, the only word I could hear was red. And since we don't oh, have no, no, a no, no. since we don't have a segment that's red, uh, I'm just no. figuring that it must, must be, you know. Uh-uh. Well, thank you very much, FM Jeeper, and to the kid as well for reaching out and saying hi and letting us know that you like the show. Appreciate yeah, that's it. that's wonderful. And again, it's not a kid-friendly show, <laughs> but it's 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 very nice for you to share that with us. And now it's time for some Radio Com Tech. Well, welcome back, boys and girls. We're going to do our second segment here of uh, some ham radio about how to get your license and uh, what all the steps are, are involved. And uh, Josh is joining us again. Uh, you also know him as Hashasi, a uh, licensed operator since 2007 as KI6NAZ. And uh, he's a very enthusiastic ham, likes experimenting with all facets of amateur radio. And you can find Josh on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Hosh Nazi. Uh, Josh is probably best known for his fun and informative videos on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash H-O-S-N-A-S-I. Uh, hey, and if you want to ask Josh questions directly, just do a search for Ham Radio Crash Course. Josh, thanks for being back with us uh, this week. Now, last week we talked about uh, where do I start in getting my ham radio license. Uh, this week we want to talk about what do I study. Okay, yeah. So we scratched the surface a little bit there. I mentioned that the FCC kind of uh, regulates how we do amateur radio in the United States. In your country, if you don't live in the United States, will vary here. But generally... They have a series of questions that comes out. There's a question pool, and you have to get 75%, 74% on the test to pass. And so what you study is really the content of those questions. The good news is, is there is a wealth of material out that you can get both online and physical media. I mentioned Gordon West the last time. He was the guy who makes the books to learn amateur radio. He's the guy that wrote the book that I read when I got my license. And other people make books as well. If you don't want a physical media, you know, there's my videos on the Ham Radio Crash Course on YouTube. Uh, just search for Getting Your Technician License and you should probably see it. And what we do there is we try to cover the question, but explain why or what that question is really trying to get you to know. You know, there's a lot of people that can go out and take a test really well. And they can slam through their technician license very quickly and, and become a ham. But if you really want to know the content, a lot of the books will dive a bit deeper. And we try and do that on the videos. And there's actually, I'll, I'll plug this as well, hamstudy.org is a great website for doing a bit of both of, of learning the how to take the tests, how to answer the questions, and learning the content. And, and that's all three of those things are a great place to start. Now I'll just mention I don't I don't encourage people to do this, but just for the nervous types out there, because you know there are people that don't like taking tests and and they don't think they can take them very well, and it's oh my god all this electronic stuff I don't know anything about it. You literally can just study the multiple guest answers and go and take the test and pass it, and then learn when, once you get on uh, on the air, so to speak. You you absolutely can, and in, I'll, I'll echo your statement a bit there. You'll find, as you start to dive into this material, some will be impenetrable to you. Um, so that's that's okay. There'll be other areas that you can totally wrap your mind around and go, oh, yeah, I totally get this. You know, people have a, a kind of rules and regulation mind where they can read the FCC says you should do this, and, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, other people are more technical-minded and, and can pick up the electronics a little bit easier. You'll find something you, you're good at, and for the other stuff you're not good at, we'll just learn to take the test and try and memorize the questions. You'll get there eventually as you become a ham and you operate more and you experiment and you have fun with the hobby. 
Exactly. So don't let the the fear of the test or your lack of electronics knowledge uh, keep you from uh, joining this hobby. You'll find that uh, uh, quite a few of us uh, started that same uh, that same track by getting in and then learning as we went. Yep, that's it exactly. Um, just start. <laughs> it's always best to just start doing it if you're interested. And the more you do it, it'll make more sense. And it's a lot of fun, particularly if you've got a goal. I always say set a ham radio goal. You know, if there's something you're interested in doing, putting a radio in your Jeep, for example, you really need your license to be able to do that. And while you're doing it, why don't you watch some videos on different radios you could put in your Jeep? It'll give you a motivation to keep going. Absolutely. Well, Josh, thanks a lot, and uh, we hope we've motivated you to get out there and study for that test. And uh, we sure would like to hear from you if you uh, if you pass that test, especially from listening to this series. Now, next week, we're going to find out how you know that you're ready to go take the test. Josh, thanks again for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks again. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, you've heard of Shark Week before, right? Well, now let's get ready for Death Wobble Week. You know, I could get, I wouldn't mind seeing Death Wobble Week. That would be a great idea. Shark Week, I can't stand. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Oh, you most certainly are, you lucky listener, you. And hey, while you're, uh, you know, in the back room dodging the rest of the in-laws, well, be sure to <laughs> check out the 4x4 Radio Network website. We've got stuff that's being added all the time. If you haven't been there in a while, well, it's time to go check it out again. 4x4radionetwork.com, all one word, you spell it out. We've got something for whatever you drive over there, as long as it's off-road, we've got it. We've got the 4x4 podcast there, the Center Steer podcast, as Tony mentioned a little bit earlier, is there. Trail Chase's podcast is putting out new, new episodes, and we even have the On the Trail podcast putting out shows all the time. Go check it out, 4x4radionetwork.com. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, say. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. Well, last week I talked about the black hole behind my glove box and several of my YouTube subscribers, because I did a video on it, several of my YouTube subscribers shared about the cabin filters, which are behind the glove box, which I had no idea even existed. And one subscriber, actually it was a couple of them, reported that Jeep never put the filters in his Jeep. Um, I still haven't checked mine because it's been, you know, crazy busy with the holidays and work and all that good stuff. Um, and then after the episode last week, one of you guys shared with me the possible reasons why Jeep maybe didn't put the filters in these Jeep Wranglers, the the encasing for it, I guess you would call it, is there, but the actual filters are not. Um, and what this uh, listener suggested is maybe because Jeep didn't put these in because in the Wranglers because we are a doorless, topless kind of Jeep driver. And when we are doorless and topless, we like to be out on those dirt roads. And when you're out on the dirt roads, we stir up all that dust. And it gets in our Jeeps. And if anyone out there who has a Jeep Wrangler and they're topless out on the trails, they know the inside of your Jeep gets so dusty just from one day. So I can't imagine how quickly those filters would fill up. Now, this listener who shared this is also a truck driver. And he says a lot of the times he had the filters in his um, big rig 
get filled up pretty quickly and he's got to change them a lot. And one of the other things is if you don't change them when they're filled up, maybe possibly this could affect like the air conditioning. I don't know how true this is, but anyway, that was just a thought that was put out there for why Jeep probably didn't put the filters in the Wranglers. So I still need to get out my Jeep. Now that I have a couple days off from work for the holidays, I think I'm going to go check it out and see if I do have any filters. Um, Tony and Josh, I didn't know if you had anything to add to this whole filter, air filters in the cabins. No, I'm glad you brought up the, the you know, the big rig driver, uh, because that kind of really puts things into perspective. This is a vehicle that never sees off-road, just sees the freeway miles. Now, granted, you know, big rig trucks, they're going to see uh, a lot more miles uh, in a year than, you know, our Jeeps are going to, likely. Uh, but, uh, you know, that just goes to show you just driving on the freeway, how much, you know, debris and grit and grime and everything else is coming into the vehicle through that filter, you know, through the HVAC system. And and you turn on that fan, and unless you're running recirculation the entire time, which, God, I hope you're not one of those people, uh, then, you know, you're bringing in the outside air into the vehicle, and it's coming through your HVAC system, and not, it's not always filtered, uh, as we've, we've found out, especially with the older Wranglers. Uh, newer Wranglers, well, as Tammy has uh, pointed out, uh, well, you got a spot there for it, but it's not always installed. So now you throw in some trail riding during the summer. Let's say you, you know, had a half a dozen wheeling trips and it wasn't raining and the trails were nice and dry, but it was kind of dusty out. Now, just imagine what that air filter is going to look like. If a semi-truck driver is replacing it a couple few times a year, uh, just imagine with trail use how dusty and dirty that filter is going to fill up and, and how fast it's going to do that. So and how many people even know that that's something that you need yeah. to change? Yeah. Well, um, so I don't know if you guys are aware of this. You're both homeowners. Uh, so central AC, you know, the, the AC units, they have right. that, that filter. Those things are a real pain in the ass. I don't know if you yeah. if you get an, ob, uh, an odd-shaped one or something or an odd-sized one. It's kind of hard to find. Anyway, I, uh, I dug around on Amazon, and I actually found uh, some that were the best way I could uh, describe it is like steel wool. They don't use the um, the I don't know the fiberglass or whatever. Paper or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. So uh, these these are permanent ones. They cost a little more. I think they were around a hundred bucks for two of them, and uh, I think they make them to to the size that you want them. And uh, now I just take them and rinse them out. I don't rinse them out as as often as I should, but it's all metal, so yeah. they're they're forever as far as I can tell. And uh, they don't rust. So uh, I wonder if there might be something like that that you could use in the Jeep. Because certainly that would give you the ability to uh, filter the air. And mm-hmm. if it got real dirty, who cares? Flush it out. It's not like you got to you know, right. keep a stack of these things in the garage or with you. Yeah, even worse, with you. But I agree with you, Josh. It, it, uh, the uh, we're, we're often in very dirty and uh, dusty environments. And uh, that filter is not going to last very long. And, and probably you're not going to get much air through there Uh under some after some environments uh, like a day a, a nice day of wheeling well not only that you know you you start getting a bunch of stuff built up on that filter and remember we're pulling the outside air into the vehicle now if we start you know if we leave that whatever it collected over the summer and we're going into the winter the humidity level goes up you're going to start pulling in a little bit of moisture there's going to be moist air that's going to find its way across that filter 
and all that pollen and uh, dust and grit yeah. and grime and everything else that you've been collecting on that filter. And what happens when you add moisture and, you know, a, a medium like that to a bunch of other stuff like that? Well, you're going to get a a perfect environment to start growing fungus and mold and bacteria and everything else that as soon as you flick on that fan, guess what's coming through the vent? I'm, That's right. Right. I'm thinking so, if you turn the heater on, you got soup. so you know it's very important to to check that now obviously if you don't have a filter well then it's it's just it is what it is uh but if you do have a filter well it's important to change it often just because of that reason yeah do you think it would be better just to especially if you go off-road a lot and you have your top down a lot do you think it'd just be best just not to have one i would get a filter and try it and check it and see mm-hmm. what it shows you. Uh, it's going to tell you. I could, I could do a science experiment. Exactly, and do now, a, do a culture on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the the only thing I I will say against um uh, uh, Tony's suggestion there is, is going to be oh, price. I mean, cabin air filters right. can come in, you know about fifty bucks. I mean, you know, if you got fifty bucks to throw down on, a, on an experiment, well, that's that's fine. Now you can find less. You know, the seventeen, twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. About 30 to 40 is probably going to be about your average. Now, you can get into the aftermarket stuff. You can buy one filter and be done with it and get a K&N filter. Yes, K&N actually makes cabin air filters. And oh, yes, cool. just like their, their their air filters for the engine, $600? they are cleanable, washable. Yes, and they are a little <laughs> more expensive. Uh, but, you know, that is another option out there. Now, does it filter as much? You know, I don't know. Uh, it all comes down to microns, and that's what it's all about: is how much can you filter out of that air? Uh, you know, is it is it HEPA certified? You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, how clean do you want your air ultimately? Uh, and that's what it comes down to. You're going to have to do some of your own research and and find out, you know, which filter manufacturer is making the best filter for your vehicle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we cut out the seat belts, we turned off the airbags, but we got a nice new air filter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and your We're windows are down, so <laughs> I just, anyway. Yeah, but they're not always down. and uh, Yeah, I, that's true. I, I would, like I said, I would give it a try. You never know what you, uh, especially for people that have allergies that probably don't roll their windows down, uh, right. this might actually be a help for them. Well, coming up later in the show, it's Nikki G, and it sounds like he's getting a little fancy. <laughs> Hey, this is the time of the show where we get into some reviews. We get your guys' feedback coming back to us. And, well, this week we didn't have any that uh, came in by phone or by email. Well, none that uh, we could actually uh, talk about. That we could, uh, right, talk about. Yeah. the show. I mean, there were the, that string of expletives that we photos, got that one time. Topless photos, not you know, right. Tammy's getting those unsolicited pictures. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, no, hey, uh, speaking of uh, reviews and stuff, you know, it's uh, we, we try and make ourselves as big as we can in this world as, uh, you know, the foremost Jeep experts in the audio field. Uh, uh, we uh, we do what we can here, but iHeartRadio has been doing podcasts for the better part of, uh, what, about a year or two now, and they have done their first award. Well, they're about to do their first uh, podcast award ceremony. And uh, even though we've been on iHeartRadio for a little while now, since its pod inception of podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio is neglected to give us an award. Uh, but <laughs> I know. Uh, dare they? I know. Send them I an know. email. <laughs> Seriously, them we need really. To if you if you want to let iHeartRadio know just how displeased you are that the Jeep Talk Show did not win an award this year, we encourage you to write out to them. But uh, we, yeah, we thought we thought we'd mention that maybe next year. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be in the running for the iHeartRadio Podcast Awards, and they're being uh, aired. What is it in February, what do you mean? Tammy? I, th- I thought they they were open. I thought the the uh, stuff was open to the UTC. 
you need to pay hey. attention to the meeting, Josh. Oh, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I believe I you I was... can vote now and the awards. I don't know when the voting stops, but it's January 18th at 8 p.m. in L.A. But they have some really weird categories, I thought. But Well, uh, a lot of people don't understand podcasting. so Right. Right. I mean, like the best comedy podcast were not in there for whatever no. reason. Uh, hey. You know, oh, I'm clear, clearly, uh, you know, podcast of the year. We should have been at least in the top three, uh, you right. know, as far as that goes. Uh, best history podcast. Well, you know, there's probably no other automotive podcast that goes into as much Jeep history as we do on a regular basis. Most bingeable. I thought that was an interesting one uh, with uh, nearly a year's worth of audio at your disposal. Uh, right. I, I figured we'd definitely be in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, multicultural podcast, uh, best news podcast, best scripted podcast. I mean, we could have been in any one of these categories, but uh, but no. Ah, it's it's unusual for my arm to get sore for another reason. Uh, I got to quit patting my back. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know how you out. guys can vote. Uh, we just actually um, kind of found out about this. We're always the last ones to know, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're kind of like the redheaded stepchild here. So, exactly. uh, But uh, if there's a way to get in on you guys can vote for us, we will have the links uh, to that in the show notes for this episode. And likely we may even be talking about it in the weeks to come. Maybe we could get a participation trophy. That would be nice. <laughs> well, you tried. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. All right. Well, uh, I know some of you uh, follow us on uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and uh, uh, and such, but uh, you may not have heard. We, uh, we started up a Discord Jeep Talk Show server. It's basically, I call it like a channel with sub-channels, but they call it a server. So you can over uh, if you if you don't know about Discord, basically it was created for gamers, uh, and other uh, groups have been using it. Uh, Hosh Nazi, the guy that's doing our ham radio segments that you heard like uh, like you heard earlier, um, he actually has a Discord channel, and that's where I came up with his idea that he has quite a few people that get on there after uh, he does his live show uh, on uh, on YouTube. And I thought I'd start it up, and maybe we could all get together and uh, have a chat there. Uh, it also handles uh, voice so that you can actually uh, talk to each other or us. So Tammy's joined. Uh, Josh is considering it. And, of course, I'm on there. And uh, we are actually uh, broadcasting live uh, on the Discord Jeep Talk Show server in uh, the channel that's called Let's Talk About It. So uh, we have a plethora of uh, uh, listeners there, uh, namely uh, Pre-Runner 1982. Uh, shout out to John uh, <laughs> that is recovering from uh, gallbladder surgery, and uh, he's been in there uh, in and out during the day as the uh, pain, pain meds come and go, let him come and go. But anyway, check out Discord. We'll have a link in the uh, this episode's show notes where you can just click uh, or click and uh, join us on uh, the Jeep Talk Show server. Just when you thought the Jeep Talk Show couldn't get any better, we stepped it up a notch with listener giveaways. Hi guys, this is Roddy with Jeepers Outpost. Steve out here in California. Fred Sullivan, Wisconsin. How do you win? You have to listen and enter. It's that simple. Arrow lids don't make light. They make them better. Arrow lids don't make light. They make them better. New episode every Friday. The quicker you listen, the more likely you are to win. I'm glad to see that I'm the winner. Now I got to buy me a 50 inch lot more. Poor Dusty, you were not the winner, but I like your <laughs> I like your attitude. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, we uh, uh, we have did have a winner. It took now. I want to make sure you guys understand this. 
if you don't call, nobody wins <laughs> or the winner takes a long time. I think that we, I think we went four days, maybe five days before we had a winner. And that was just the six caller. So I want to urge you guys, there's, there is not a lot of competition when calling in for these giveaways. So you have, I think, the best opportunity to win something from the Jeep Talk Show just because everybody thinks so many people are calling. We got calls, voicemails from uh, people two or three days after the show was released saying, I'm sure I didn't uh, I didn't make this. Uh, I'm sure I didn't. It, and I said, hey, you're not the winner, but we haven't got the sixth caller yet. So <laughs> call in. Uh, anyway, it, I think as this as it grows, there are going to be more people calling in sooner as we get the word out that uh, that people aren't calling in quickly. Uh, that's going to happen. But right now, it's a perfect time to get uh, to, to get one of these giveaways. Anyway, uh, Jeffrey R. of Farmington, uh, Farmington, New Mexico, uh, was our winner. And Jeff, we sent Gabe at AeroX your name and address, so you should be seeing your great giveaway from AeroLids and the Jeep Talk Show very, very soon. And again, always, thanks for listening and playing. Good stuff there, and uh, and of course we can't thank uh, Aerolids enough for uh, you know being Aero X rather for uh, uh, giving away that stuff, be, putting that stuff up for us to give away rather. So uh, really cool, and and anytime we get one of our uh, one of our uh, interviewees rather to to give something to our listeners, that's a really, really good time. Oh, wonderful. Well, we commissioned a study recently to find out why it was taking so long for the Jeep Talk Show stickers oh, to be sent out. And I, I know. And after literally thousands, I mean, it just took our entire bank account, thousands of dollars. The report says Tony is the problem. The good news is that Tony finally sent out the stickers. No, seriously, he You're really kidding. did. I swear, this actually <laughs> happened. Now, initially, no. we thanked Tony for his long years of service to the Jeep Talk Show, but we had to let him go for doing the findings and due to the findings of the study. Now, Tony then reminded us that he has all the recording equipment and the passwords needed to publish the show, <clears throat> so we worked out a compromise. <laughs> if you want a sticker, contact us on our voicemail. We'll send you out a mailing address. Uh, we'll send you out a mailing address. Do you send a self-addressed stamped envelope to that address, and we'll send you up to two bright, shiny new Jeep Talk Show stickers. We recommend a 5x7 envelope. Anything smaller means your stickers will be folded and uh, you don't want that. So Nobody don't use the stickers. same, don't use the letter envelope. Use the use the card envelope. There you go. And you do that. Send us an envelope, a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, to the address that we send you and well, you'll get the stickers. So there you go. Yeah, so now you can get your stickers and uh, I can almost... 100% guarantee it's going to be a lot faster than six months to receive them. <laughs> Addressing, it seems to be the problem for me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, we, I bounced this off of, uh, uh, off of somebody in uh, the uh, Jeep Talk Show Discord uh, channel, and they thought it was a wonderful idea. And uh, I, I love you guys having stickers, and uh, this is a way for you to get, get some, and uh, all you have to do is just cost you a price of a stamp and a little bit of, of your time. Ooh, get some! <laughs> you got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. I've been getting a lot of questions about this lately. I've been seeing this pop up uh, all over the webs and everywhere else. And heck, even Extreme Terrain is doing a spotlight this month on this very well-known problem. Now, you may be new to Jeeps, but you may not be 
familiar with this problem. This is an all too common problem that has affected Jeepers of all kinds for decades. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about death wobble. Now, we actually had a question come in uh, earlier this week, and uh, the listener had a question about whether or not tire pressure could cause death wobble. And uh, in fact, that's a, it's really a good question because, I mean, unless you really have an understanding of, you know, uh, the physics behind the suspension geometry and stuff like that, really death wobble can be scary and hard to understand, especially if you're not familiar with how the steering works and how the suspension works and everything else. There's a lot going on under the fronts of our Jeeps. And uh, if you're not very mechanically inclined, well, this can, uh, well, bring you to the brink of selling your Jeep almost immediately if you're not sure what's happening. So uh, death wobble is a, a condition where the front axle is essentially loose under the vehicle. It loses its ability to stay centered under the vehicle and starts working its way back and forth under the vehicle. This results in a violent shaking of the vehicle itself and is obviously transmitted into the steering wheel, which is also going to violently shake back and forth. Hence why it's called death wobble, because uh, this typically happens at speed and, uh, well, you think you're going to die. <laughs> it is a very violent situation and nobody wants to have that occur to them. Now, almost 99.99% of the time, death wobble is going to be caused by worn steering components. So, you know, I had to send an email out to this listener telling him, he's like, hey, you know, it, it, it's likely that it's not tire pressure. Not impossible but it's very unlikely that your tires have anything to do with why you have death wobble. Now, there's a reason for that. Now, some are saying, well, you know, tires are hitting the road. You know, if there's something wrong with the, with the tires or something's going on with the tires, that obviously is going to transmit into the rest of the vehicle and how it, you know, uh, steers down the road and everything else. But, you know, we need to get into some of the science behind this a little bit. Now, you talk about, you know, whether or not that, that uh, tire is aired down or if it's aired up, uh, it's going to create a much smaller or a much larger contact patch um, on whatever you're driving on. And really, whatever you're driving on, it has no effect on death wobble. You can have death wobble on trail. You can have death wobble on the freeway. You can have death wobble going down your residential street. Uh, it really is independent of road conditions. Uh, it's more independent and more dependent on vehicle condition. Um, so we start getting into things like surface tension of the tire in relation to PSI. As you think about um, a balloon, in fact, just a regular old birthday balloon type of thing. Now, when that balloon is barely pumped, and we're talking just not even a breath in it, um, you can pretty much grab that thing and, and it has a lot of friction to it. Now, you bring that balloon up, you know, you put several breaths in it, you pump that balloon up. Now, the surface gets stretched out and becomes a lot more smooth. And it's going to be a lot more resistant to friction um, than it was when it was aired down. And the same thing goes on with our tires. Now, when that tire is aired up, it has a lot less friction uh, to the road surface. We're talking about a pressure-dependent traction coefficient. I know that's a lot of very big scientific term here we're talking about. But what, what is basically going on is when that tire is aired down, it's going to be a lot softer of a, of a compound onto the, the road surface or the, the whatever surface you're driving on. When that, v, when that tire is is pressured up, when it has a lot of more PSI in it, it's going to be a lot more slippy on that surface. Uh, think of it in terms like this. When Imagine how um, easy it would be to peel out if you had 50 PSI in your tire on a, wet, uh, on a wet road versus if you had 10 PSI in the tire. It's exactly the same sort of thing. We had another a listener asked us if there is, is any order to replacing parts in order to fix death wobble. Well, really, there is no order. There's no, well, you absolutely want to do this first before you do anything else. I mean, if you go ahead and replace your ball joints and you have a severe case of death wobble, 
likely you could be throwing a lot of money, time, and labor at a problem that really didn't have anything to do with the death wobble to begin with. Uh, so really, there's no order as to which you want to fix first. You want to fix what is broken. And that's where, you know, you come into the issue with throwing money at issues like this. Um, if you just start throwing money at rebuilding your entire front end to combat a single issue, I mean, it could just be a matter of your track bar is worn. And rebuilding your entire front end is a lot of, you know, big waste of money and time for something that could have been, you know, replaced for under $100. So, you know, it raises a question as to, you know, is it worth it? You know, how far do I go into it? Well, this is where we get into the importance of visual inspections. And, you know, it's how important it is and why is because a visual inspection can save you a ton of money, especially when you have somebody who knows what they're looking for. And, and really a visual inspection on the front end, front end of your Jeep is a minimum of a two-person job. Now, if you're not mechanically inclined, you don't know what to look for, well, this could be a three-person job because you're going to need to have somebody who knows what to look out for, somebody to um, operate the steering wheel while you're doing the inspection, and of course, you'd like to be there as well, right? So, you know, things you want to look out for is obviously shiny metal. Any sort of shiny metal on any of the steering components, that's going to be a sign of recent wear. And uh, that's going to be a sign of a component that is worn and that needs to be replaced. Excessive movement in components, uh, components that are moving in a direction that they're not supposed to or that have an excessive amount of movement um, throughout their, their range. Um, all things that you want to look out for, obviously, if anything is broken, if it's leaking a lot of grease, uh, that could be an indication that um, is, you know, need, needs to be adjusted or replaced as well. So, you know, a lot of it goes into, you know, replacing different components and stuff like that. There's tips and tricks and everything that goes into uh, replacing things like uh, your drag link, you know, or your, um, uh, your pitman arm, stuff like that. And I mean, any one of these components all have a hundred different things that can go wrong during the installation process. Uh, really, it comes down to what is going wrong with your steering in your Jeep and what needs to be replaced. And once you isolate that issue, once you figure out what it is that needs to be fixed, well, then you can go ahead, isolate, isolate that component, figure out what you need to do to replace it, the best way to go about doing that, and the cheapest way to, to, to make that happen. And once that is done, well, you'll likely end up having a much better performing Jeep in the end. You have your safety back and your uh, steering performance back as well. And then you can start looking at other things as far as, you know, upgrades and other modifications, that sort of stuff. So really, there's a whole can of worms when we start getting into Death Wobble. Really, it, it, it comes down to steering components and very little else. And, and it comes down to uh, a lot of you know, visual inspections, a lot of uh, maintenance, maintaining your, your vehicle, and keeping up on, on top of you know, issues as they arise instead of uh, throwing money at problems to hoping you fix it or uh, ignoring it altogether. I so, have a question. How many, by all like, means. Like one out of 10 people this happens to or one out of 100 or... I mean, like, how common is this? 100 I, out of 100. It is a certainty. It is seriously. a certainty. Seriously, if you, if you own a, a Jeep or really any vehicle that has a live solid front axle like our Jeeps do, it is only a matter of time before a degree of death wobble will raise its ugly head. Yeah, it's like and, an asteroid I mean, impacting I'm, Earth. It's not a matter of when, or I'm sorry, if, it's when. <laughs> so now I'm scared. You should be. It's death wobble. Oh, I know. I don't want it to happen to me. Eh, it, you really don't have to worry about it. It, it takes at least 100,000 miles or more. Yeah. 
Yeah, unless you and have is it, some serious problems. Is it mostly problem. just right. people who modify their Jeeps, or no. could this happen just with your oh, regular no. old stock? No, no. stock. Stock it's, Jeep. It's just like Josh said. It's it's the solid uh, axle is the is the reason why, and one of the reasons why Congress was looking at banning uh, solid uh, front axles and making everybody really? go IFS, uh, either uh, front wheel drive, uh, two wheel drive, rear, rear wheel, or if you're going four wheel drive, it'd have to be IFS because IFS doesn't have this issue. Yeah, what's IFS? Independent front suspension. Oh, okay. So, um, Josh, I'm going to throw throw something at you. You say Please. never uh, throw a bunch of parts at something. Say your wife uh, gets a <laughs> 2003 oh, Jeep TJ. Uh, not important to the story, but red. And uh, she's driving to Baytown, and at 70 miles an hour between two 18-wheelers, she experiences her de- first death wobble ever. Oh, Lord. Good Lord. Hell of a time. Yeah. So I told her to just slow down until it stops and it, it's going to, it's going to come and go until mm-hmm. I can fix it. You know, you basically yeah. need to get back home. So she did. Uh, now I found the culprit, which was the track bar, which is quite often the, the issue and looking yep. under there and get somebody to run the steering wheel back and forth and you can see things that are moving. And it was a tiny, I, I always I repeat this over and over again. I was so shocked to see this. It, it was a slight movement. I estimate about a sixteenth. Yeah, I estimate about a sixteenth of an inch. So when you're looking underneath there, it doesn't take much. You got to have a flashlight. You got to get the person to be steering mm-hmm. that that steer, moving that steering wheel back and forth a lot and checking each one of those ball joints. At any yeah. rate, I had I, I could do this. I could replace the track bar, or I could replace. It was stock. It's a stock Jeep. Or I could replace every stinking ball joint on that front end, and she's not going to experience death wobble probably for another 100,000 miles. Which would you do? Well, if if there's a track bar issue and all you re- replace is the ball joints, you're still going to have a track bar issue that's still going to give you death wobble. Well, a track bar is going to be replaced. But I re- I'm saying replace all the rest of the, uh, the, the uh, TREs that are there. Because they're just as old as that one TRE that's moving on the track bar. But well, would you, you do one this... thing at a time to see? No, no, uh-uh. no. It's it, that's that's where I'm disagreeing with Josh. It, to me, it is, uh, it's you know the the uh, uh, tie rod in on the um, replace the drag link, uh, replace the uh, the tie rod, replace all the TRE ends. I got them. I think I got everything from Amazon for three hundred bucks. And I'm I'm there, and you'll like this, Josh. I'm there anyway. So, and, and the other the other added benefit to that is you need to get a um, alignment after that. Do you yes. want to replace the track bar? Get an alignment. Oh, look at there's another TRE has gone out uh, after you know six months. I'm gonna replace that. Let's go get another eighty dollar for nothing, eighty bucks for nothing. Uh, alignment. So no, it was all replaced and it was taken down and aligned, and it's all nice and good so uh that's that's where i was disagreeing with you is is that if you're in there it's not that much money now if you're having uh you know if it's for yourself that's one thing but if it's for a a family member or something do you really want to get that call it's not that much it's not that much more work and it's not that much more money just replace all anything that's got a ball joint now i didn't do the the ball joints for the uh the you know the steering ball joints the ones for the that are on the c's um, that the, you know, you can wobble those tires and that's fine. But, uh, the track bar was the problem, but I went and replaced the rest of them just so it would be nice and tight and she wouldn't have any problems with it. 
When you so say T R E, what's T R E? Tie rod end. Okay. And there, there, there's tie rod ends at the at each end of the drag link at each end right. of the tie rod, uh, and, and yeah, and and sometimes even at each end of your um, track bar. And I'll look up uh, the numbers, Tammy, because I know how you I like TRE thirty one ninety two. Are you sure it's not the TRE fifty nine eighty seven or the TRE? 8987. Henway OU812. I got to ask you, Tony, if you replaced all that, then you must have replaced something that is equally as important, which would be your control arm bushings. I'm guessing you did not. The I'm trying to think of uh, the control arm bushings were replaced whenever the lift was put on there because it came with a, a lower control arm uppers. No, but they mm. were checked. Okay. But, it, but it's not part of the, the steering mechanism. No, but uh, those front uh, the the upper tie uh, upper tie rod the the upper control arm bushings uh, are, are, can't, it, I've seen massive axle movement with worn control arm bushings. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and, and and I've death wobble absolutely. It, uh, it amazes we it amazes me that you don't see more uh, issues with that with that that damn stamped really? uh, metal. It's just really oh, because geez. those those bushings wear out so fast and and you can get all sorts of interesting noises and and things when when you know suspension components work their way, you know, worn components start working their way from the front to the back and right. and yeah it just gets very very interesting. So you know I have um, a set I, of uh, Iron Man Andy uh, uh, adjustable control arms for the Jeep. I've got almost a full set for front and back. So uh, I'm covered. I just have to uh, just get in there and do it. I haven't really wanted to because you know one, it's hard, and number two, you gotta you know pay another eighty bucks for alignment. Well, anything to add out there, you fellow Jeeper? You maybe you have a question for Tech Talk yourself? Just jump over to JeepTalkShow.com/slash/contact and send us a message. Let us know what you have to say or what you're working on. Don't you hate getting up day after day to that same old annoying alarm? Announcing the Jeep Talk Show Alarm Clock. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? What's the matter, sleepyhead? Need a few more minutes? Well, you're in luck. The Jeep Talk Show Alarm Clock comes with a snooze. How are you, sir? How are you, sir? Good God, How Mom, you, stop! Sir? I don't want to go to school! How much is the Jeep Talk Show Alarm Clock? $100? $50? No, don't be silly. It's only $49.95. And if you order now, we'll throw in a Jeep Talk Show sticker. It's just in time for Christmas. The Jeep Talk Show Alarm Clock, not available in retail stores. Void where prohibited, not an actual product. Warning, the Jeep Talk Show sticker may never arrive. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I may never arrive. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of death wobble, do you know a Wrangler owner that suffers from death wobble? I bet you do. I mean, everybody in it has ever owned a Jeep has known another Jeeper that has experienced <laughs> death wobble. That jarring and uncontrollable sensation which can overtake your Jeep steering at just about any moment. Well, the death wobble is a serious topic in the 4x4 community, and our friends over at Extreme Terrain are the authority in not only parts and accessories, but technical information on everything Wrangler. Their technical guides are an excellent resource for just about any Wrangler-related topic. Just Google the phrase, what causes death wobble, or click the link in today's JTS description to see for yourself. The enthusiasts at Extreme Terrain work very hard to compile an extensive amount of information into their death wobble tech guide. From images to detailed and unique infographics, Extreme Terrain's tech guides are the definitive resource every jeeper should know about extreme terrain recently updated this guide to include their new video featuring ryan hawk titled how to survive and fix jeep wrangler death wobble so head on over to extremeterrain.com today or visit today's show notes for the direct link 
Or you can go over to Jeep Mama's blog and click on the cool Jeep stuff, and the links are there. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, Jeepers, once again, we are here with another great interview. I've got Mariah and Susan from CB World here to talk with us a little bit about off-road communications and, well, how we all talk to each other when we are off the road. Uh, So, hey, first of all, welcome to the Jeep Talk Show. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having us. Not Not a problem. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. So... I saw you guys at a local event, local to me at least, out in down in Salem, Oregon. It was uh, the Salem Jeepers Summer Jam. I think this was their seventh annual event. And uh, you know, I've been involved with these guys pretty much since that event began. And I don't remember seeing your, your company there. Are you guys new on the scene? Well, this is our first year attending. and uh, But we've been here in Albany for a very long time. Yeah, CB World's been around for a very long time. This is just... Um, a, a newer event for us to be attending, and we're excited to be a part of that and also for future events. We don't have a storefront. Um, we are mostly or 99% all online. <laughs> so, um, But we are trying to get a little more um, advertising out there. And um, since I own a Jeep now and I'm part of the Jeep Jamboree uh, and the Jeepers Club in Salem, I thought I'd get a little more involved with my uh, – with the CBs here. Well, I bet you opened up Pandora's box, didn't you? I, I didn't know if you uh, are aware, but uh, us Jeepers in the Jeep community, we're kind of a big bunch here. <laughs> were, you, were you aware kind of, you know, how much of a following you were going to get? It just kind of, what you know, what sort of pond you were dipping your toes into? No, that kind of fall uh, with the 250 or 150 Jeeps that came out to the Jamboree, I was a, a little surprised that the, the following was so large. Now, I would imagine you guys had a pretty good response there. I, I know I visited your booth a couple of times, uh, and you were, you were running one heck of a sale, a, a special, a promotion at the time, and that's kind of what got our conversation going right off the bat. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I wanted to kind of peel back the layers about CB World, what you guys are, what you have to offer, what your mission statement is, and why it's so important for us as Jeepers to have something like a CB, something that we associate with a trucker from the 1970s, typically, you know, why we need that sort of equipment off-road? First of all, CB World's been around for a very long time. We we do our very best to provide thousands of products and um, excellent customer service, and we offer troubleshooting, we offer specials, and we do our best to ship every order out the same day that it's placed. Uh, so that's a lot different than a lot of our competitors. And, you know, we offer product recommendations. We get a lot of people calling in, you know, especially Jeepers like yourselves, um, calling in and saying, hey, what's the best products for my Jeep? You know, here's here's the year, here's the make, here's the model, and where I want to put it. And so our goal really is to make sure that everybody has the best CV system that they can have for their application. So it's pretty cool. So where does the background from the tech advice come from? You say somebody calls up and say, hey, I've got, you know, this model of a Jeep. I'm trying to get some communications gear in it. This is what I do with it. You know, who do they turn to? Is it, I mean, is it just you two who are answering the phones and fielding all these questions? Where does the expertise come from? So 
My name's Mariah, and I answer the phones a lot, but all of us here are answering phones and answering questions and helping each other out. Um, I've, I've got many years under my belt working for CB World, and so we have a lot of expertise, especially between all of us. Um, if I don't know the answer or Susan doesn't know the answer or Jacob doesn't know the answer, one of us is going to be able to get that answer. And um, so we've been doing this a long time, and we're really good at it. We also have um, two technicians that, that work here for us that do our peak and tune service. Um, peak and tune service is basically um, an option that you can get uh, with your CB radio, or well, most of the CB radios, that uh, allow the, um, the radio to perform its, its best at 100%. Um, if you didn't know that uh, CB radios only transmit 4 watts, all of them, um, just has different options based on what you get, you know, what you're paying for. Um, 10 meter radios, those, that's where you get your wattage, um, and it could go. But you need a license to run 4 meter radios. I mean, yeah, 10, 10 meter radios. Yeah, I myself am a am a amateur uh, ham radio operator. I know how those uh, band allocations work, and and knowing that okay, if I pick up a a radio that's not a CB radio, there's a chance that I'm going to be transmitting on frequencies that I'm not supposed to, you know. So how do you direct people, you know, to that sort of the right technology if they aren't qualified to run certain levels of communication equipment? Well, we get that question asked to us many times. You know, people call and are very interested in a 10-meter radio, and um, we just want to make sure that they understand what a 10-meter radio is as compared to a CB radio. You know, 10-meter radios do not communicate with CB radios out of the box. Um, and yes, people modify them, but that's illegal. So we want to make sure that they understand that. They, we don't want our customers getting in trouble. Um, but yeah, they see that higher wattage capabilities and they're like, oh, that's what I want. You know, I need high wattage. But um, really, they, they're looking for a CB. They want to be able to communicate on CB. Uh, so we make sure that we're asking all the right kinds of questions to, to people. What are you using it for? Uh, what is the application? And this comes into another, um, it walks right into another um, subject. When people are t saying that their uh, CVs aren't working correctly or they're not getting enough power or whatever, it's, it's mostly troubleshooting. And they haven't learned um, that um, tuning your antenna to your vehicle is the most important thing that you can do for your CV system. Um, your SWR, your standing wave uh, reflected or ratio, uh, is most important, and that's what's going to give you your range um, in a CV because CVs are all four watts. Right. That is a really important point she's making. Um, I don't know how many phone calls and chats and emails that we get with people having issues, and the first question we're going to ask them is, hey, you know, what are your SWR readings? Um, on channel 1 and channel 40. And if they don't know the, the answer to that, then that tells us, hey, they probably haven't tuned their, their CB antenna, and every CB antenna needs to be tuned to the vehicle or to the application. So um, we do our best to try to educate people because, um, again, we're trying to provide everybody with the best CB system ever, and um, you know, part of that is they have to go through that tuning process, which... Our help center on our website um, at cbworld.com is fantastic. There's all sorts of articles that you're going to be able to find on there about what is SWR, um, how to tune your CB antenna, 
and troubleshooting high SWR because that's what you're trying to avoid is is high SWR readings. Um, so can I just make, I want to make this one point very clear. If you don't tune your CB antenna, there's that potential that you have high SWR readings. And high SWR readings can mean that your antenna performance is going to be deteriorated. Um, and more importantly, you can damage your radio. So I hate the phone calls where people they're like, well, my radio was working, and now it's not working all of a sudden. And um, if they've never tuned their CB antenna, they could have been operating with high SWR, which means that that power that's supposed to be going out through the antenna is actually coming right back into that radio and damaging the finals. Um, so we hate to see people with these really nice radios. Um, you know, they've invested a lot of money into this system, and could have prevented the radio from being damaged or destroyed simply by tuning their antenna. Very, very, very important. When people call us with high SWR, that is like the number one reason why people call us with SWR issues is just simply improper coax storage. So um, you want to make sure that if you have any excess coax, that you're properly storing it in a figure eight, about a foot in length, and bound in the center. So after you do that, recalibrate, retune, recheck your SWRs, and hopefully that'll that'll help. So just having that 24-foot long, uh, you know, coax cable with about 18 feet of it all coiled up <laughs> on the passenger side floor, probably not the best way to go about an install. No, exactly. And the, the reason for that, like a lot of people, they'll, they'll have their excess coax just in a ball, you know, or in a coil. And what they aren't understanding is that you're basically creating another antenna coil from that. That's why it's kind of throwing off your SWR. Or, or maybe they're just shoving all that underneath the dash or underneath their seat. Uh, so it is, it is really important. Which also could cause some electrical interference. And we also, if they do have electrical interference, we do have some stuff they can use to help um, fix that. Some great products for noise interference, whether it's caused by external sources or caused by things within, within the vehicle itself. So all of that is, again, in our health center. <laughs> and some of these radios are quite expensive, and you hit the nail on the head there. There's, you know, there's some systems out there that people have put a lot of really good money, hard-earned money into. And a lot of people don't know this, that, you know, when you get a CB system, you buy that antenna, you buy the coax, you buy the radio, it's not all plug and play. You can't just hook it up and be ready to go. You have to tune it. And you guys mentioned something earlier in the conversation about uh, a peak and tune service. Now, you also mentioned something about illegal modifications. Now, I imagine there's a fine line in there somewhere. Can you explain how that works? Well, a lot of the <clears throat> radios out of the box typically are close to four watts or maybe they're down about three and a half watts for CVs. Um, and the reason being is when they ship them over here in pallets, uh, most of the times they get uh, random searched and to make sure that there's in spec and make sure they're not shipping something that they're not supposed to be. And for somebody like Galaxy or Cobra, when you when they go in and inspect the radio and it's over four watts, then they reject the entire pallet. So out of the box, they typically don't push it to the four watts just so they're safe. Now, our, our technicians go in and they check the modulation 
for the audio and the um, sound and all the other components that are in inside of a radio and make it push it to four watts or not necessarily give it four watts, but make it sound the best it's going to sound better than the factory settings. Absolutely, absolutely worth it. Um, I mean, obviously people are going to think we're kind of biased here, but we know these technicians professionally and personally. They've been doing this for a very long time. So it's absolutely something we would recommend for somebody um, is that a um, something you guys charge for based on you know the the amount the radio cost or you know how is that is that just something that is offered to any customer or can you also do it to used radios? We don't purchase used um, radios. We just get them right from the manufacturer because we're the you know we're the dealers basically for uh, those manufacturers and it does cost our technician time to do that. So we do charge for a regular CB, um, I think it's $25. And if it's got single sideband, which is another thing to look at when you're buying a radio, it is uh, $45 for a single sideband. And that single sideband just means you're getting an upper and lower channel. Um, it's kind of an in-between channels from your 40 channels that you normally get with a regular CB. So just to clarify too, it is just for new radios that are shipping out of here. We we don't take anybody's, you know, people don't ship radios to us to have this service done. At least we're not offering that, at least at this time. It might be something um, in the future that we would consider, but um, that's the service that we're offering right now. Very good. So we talked a little bit earlier about you guys offering, you know, technical service, you know, basically a vehicle-specific guidance for their communication system. Uh, now, one thing that is maybe, I'm going to say common knowledge, but maybe not a lot, a lot of people know, but the ground plane of a vehicle is very important. Now, over the years, typically the roofs of vehicles have always been metal for the most part, but on our Jeeps, there's, well, either no top at all or it's fiberglass. And sticking an antenna right in the middle of the hood, and eh, probably not exactly the best idea for a lot of reasons. So how do you address the lack of a ground plane with these fiberglass tops or topless Jeeps altogether when people are searching for an antenna solution? Sure. So just to clarify on that as well, uh, the, the ground plane is a very important part of this. The, a standard CB antenna needs a reflective metal surface uh, for those communications to reflect off of, those signals to reflect off of. Um, and if you don't have that, then that can result in high SWR ratings, again, what we talked about before. Um, so that's where the no ground plane antenna systems come in. If there isn't a, an adequate ground plane or adequate metal reflective surface uh, for those signals, an RV, for example, which is all fiberglass, or a motorcycle that might be metal but not have a very... Um, good or adequate ground plane, uh, or Jeeps with the fiberglass tops. Um, what we kind of do is it really depends on the Jeep in this case. Um, some Jeeps have tops, some don't. Uh, some have the fiberglass, some have metal. So it really comes down to uh, addressing those individual applications. Typically, if it is a fiberglass top, we would typically recommend a no ground plane system for that. It depends on where they're going to mount it. If they're going to mount the antenna on the hood or on the, you know, the, a hood fender mount and that hood is metal, then 
sometimes we would recommend a standard antenna system for that. So it really just depends on the vehicle itself. Um, we're happy to answer questions. Um, you know, send us an email, chat with us, um, look online, look on our help center because we have specific articles in our help center that talk about uh, Jeeps and, and product selections specifically for Jeeps. And I wanted to add, um, I have a JKU and I have my antenna on the spare tire rack. Now, it's a standard antenna and I have a standard coax. When you're buying no ground plane, you need to buy no ground plane coax and no ground plane antenna. The radio and the mount don't necessarily matter as much as your no ground plane antenna and your no ground plane coax. Now, I run a standard system on my JKU, and when I have the top on, I have a, a standing wave of like, I don't know, 1.9. But when I take the doors and the top off, I have to readjust my SWR so that it it works without the top or my bikini top that I put on. And I just have to, I, I have to redo my SWR every time I take the doors and top off. Now, you might have to do that with your Jeep or with the, with the Jeep that you have and adjust it. So having an SWR meter is very important as well. You can keep it in line or you can take it out of, out of, out of line. Um, but I just um, redo my SWR every time I take the doors off and everything. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll have to play with no ground plane and standard antennas because I've had it, I've had people come in and I've said, well, you should have be okay with the no ground plane and it not work at all for that Jeep. Um, and then we do have a 30 day return policy. So if that doesn't work, we can, we would, you know, exchange it and, you know, refund or you'd pay the difference, whatever the case may be at that point. Right. And for that SWR meter, you know, that's another thing for you all to consider is some CB radios have that SWR meter built right into the radio. And that's awesome because anytime you you hit your antenna on a branch or something and you want to recheck your SWR really quickly, it, that's quick and easy. Um, if you don't have a radio that has the built-in SWR meter, um, you're going to want to have an external SWR meter, which you hook in line in between your radio and your antenna. It's an easy process. People kind of get intimidated when we start talking about tuning and SWR and everything, but really it's, it's a fairly simple process. Um, it really is important for you to be thinking about your antenna system and how, how easily do you want to be able to tune your antenna. There's different antennas that have easy tune options, like a tuning tip, like the Fire Sticks um, have the, the tuning tip. Some of them have a tuning ring at the base of the antenna. Um, but some of them, you know, is a little bit more difficult to tune because maybe you actually have to trim the whip. Um, so these are all things that you, you should be keeping in mind when you're, when you're selecting products for your Jeep. And um, obviously we're here to help. <laughs> well, and with Jeeps, there's not a lot of room. So the first thing to go in a compact CB is the SWR meter. 
Yeah, space is always uh, at a premium in, in just about any Jeep for that matter. And you've raised a, a very interesting point uh, about, you know, a branch hitting or your, your antenna hitting a branch or just taking the top and the doors off, changing your SWR. Most people are probably under the impression that, okay, once that's set, it's set. And unless some severe damage happens to, you know, the radio, the coax, or the antenna itself, one of these components is damaged, the SWR shouldn't change. But I'm hearing to the contrary now. Exactly. And you'll see that, you know, when we are recommending a magnetic mount antenna for somebody, you know, we'll tell them, hey, you know, make sure you tune that that antenna. And just keep in mind, if you go and you move that magnetic mount antenna to a different spot on the vehicle, we highly recommend that you recheck your SWR. It might be the same. It might change. It's just really important that you recheck it. You know, if they're going to keep putting it back in the same exact spot over and over again, um, they might not need to, to retune it or recheck it uh, as often. but And we'll get um, people that call in and he goes, I, I got this um, antenna and radio from my buddy, and it was working on his car, but it's not working on my car. Right. Well, <laughs> did you do your SWR? Did you, t- you know... Tune it you, to your vehicle. Tune it to the, your vehicle. Yes. So a lot of... There's a misconception with tuning y- your antenna and you don't tune an antenna to a radio. You tune an antenna to a vehicle yes. or to a boat or to a motorcycle or a building if you're running a base station. Um, you don't tune it to a vehicle, I mean, to a radio. So let's talk a little bit about CB performance. We've talked about tuning and whatnot, and we talked about some wattages and whatnot. So for somebody who's maybe, you know, only been familiar with CB in the sense of what they see in the movies or, or hear on radio or whatnot, you know, what cor- What sort of ex- experience can they expect out of a CB? You know, I'm going to hop on the mic and I'm going to talk to somebody in China. That's probably not going to happen, but what's more realistic? Well, um, I guess the first thing I'm going to start with is, um, you know, going off of what Susan was saying, every CB radio is going to put out a max wattage of 4 watts. So when people are, are calling us and saying, hey, what's the best CB radio?, Yes, it comes down to some features, you know, what kind of features do you want, but as far as the power going out, they're all going to push out the same power. So that's where your antenna becomes very important, hence the tuning of the antenna is very important. Um, And the length of the antenna matters. It's, you know, the longer the antenna is, the more range you're going to get. And typically what we say is for every foot of antenna, you can expect approximately one to two miles um, per foot of antenna. So, yes, that varies depending on your location. You know, what what are your surroundings? Are you in the mountains? Are you in the desert where it's flat and open? Are you in downtown surrounded by a whole bunch of metal buildings, you know? Um, so there's lots of different factors that will affect range. And you'll talk to people that, you know, they might be, um, you might be picking up signals from very far away it just really depends on what other systems people are, are using out there, if they're using a base station. But the, ante- the antenna is very important. The more range you want, the longer the antenna you're going to need. Would you say that the uh, selecting an antenna it should be the step? It should be step one. You know, is is selecting an antenna the priority when designing a communication system? Oh no, not necessarily. You know, the CB radio is kind of its own its own thing. You know, you want to look at you know, what size do you want, what features do you want, what style do you like, you know, how do you want it to look, um, how do you want it to function. You you can kind of pick and choose 
separately, it, it is really important for antenna selection, though. I, I will say that because depending on where you're going to put the antenna on the vehicle, you know, there's top top loaded antennas, there's center loaded antennas, and there's base loaded antennas. And you know, I hate to bore you with all the details on that, but it is really important that people understand that there is a difference between those. And we have all that information on our website in our help center, so definitely check that out. It's a great resource. Um, but for example, you wouldn't want to use a base-loaded antenna if you're mounting that antenna low on the vehicle. Um, you'd want a base-loaded antenna that would be up on the top of the vehicle. You would want maybe a – well, I'll just leave it at that. Well, it's no, it's all – all really good advice. I mean, and a lot of us Jeepers, we don't want a super massive tall antenna sticking off the top of our Jeep like it was an RC car or something like that. We have to, you know, garage height considerations, uh, obstacles out on the trails. You know, we're not trying to have that antenna banging off of every tree branch going down the down the trail. A lot of us will opt for a shorter antenna mounted lower on the vehicle, like on a fender or uh, perhaps even on the rear bumper. Uh, and keep that right. antenna short with it only being maybe three or four feet tall. Now, everything that I'm hearing is is now leading me down the trail of, well, that sounds like a poor-performing communication system. Can you design a well-performing communication system around the needs of a Jeeper keeping the antenna small and the radio small? We do it every day. <laughs> we um, provide all sorts of recommendations for people so that they have a fantastic system for their particular application. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll be able to figure a lot of that out themselves because of our help center and the information that we provide on our website. But, you know, we there's flexible antennas. You know, if you're going to be hitting that antenna on something, you can get really super flexible antennas. Um, you're going to want a spring. Um, if you're going to put it low on the vehicle, a top-loaded antenna like a fire stick antenna that's top-loaded, um, that would probably be a good option for you guys. Oh, there's just so many, lots of different factors to consider, and we're just happy to have the opportunity to share this information with people. We're trying to educate people and help them um, have a great system, and so just thank you again for this opportunity. Well, it sounds like you guys are more than willing and, and certainly more than qualified to answer just about any Jeepers questions that they might need of you or feel towards you guys. If, uh, if anybody out there is looking to have these sorts of questions answered, it sounds like you guys have the people on hand to, that can answer that. Yeah, we, we do. And we, we have um, a call line um, that's listed on our website at cvworld.com. Uh, we also offer a chat feature right there, um, so if they have a quick question and they want to call in, they're in front of their computer, uh, they can just shoot us a, an email or I mean a chat right there. We also have uh, email. Uh, we, do get, we do try to get to them daily and um, answer the questions that they might have. And I think that uh, allows us to be able to answer 99% of their questions when they have and make the right decision for their, their particular application and their vehicle. And what's the website and any social media that you guys want to direct people towards? If, if they want to learn more about CB World or maybe they just want to have their communications questions answered or design a whole new system for their new Jeep or maybe a new system for their old Jeep, where can you direct people to get that information? Well, you can go to cbworld.com. That's our website. You um, can find us on Facebook. Just type in CB World. We're going to pop up for you. 
we are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We, um, we, we're in a lot of different places. All of that is listed on our website, too. So definitely come to our website first and go to our help center maybe second because there's just a, a wealth of knowledge there, um, you know, years of experience. And it's always growing. Cause it's always growing. We're also learning uh, a lot of things ourselves um, with new products coming out, um, and we try to pass those on to, our, to the consumer. Well, hey, speaking about the consumers and products, one of the things that brought me to your guys' attention and vice versa was a very attractive special that you guys are running. I want you to go ahead and list the details about that and tell our listeners how they can get involved. Well, we, we uh, put it on there for the Jeep Jamboree, and um, I convinced my boss to extend it. Um, and definitely we haven't gotten uh, any word on when it's going to end yet. Um, but if you go on to our website, cbworld.com, and you type in uh, Jeep. Jeep. They can type in it's, Jeep. Yep, Jeep. It'll come up, and uh, it's the Jeep Jamboree Special 2018. And it, it's, uh, that's the title of it. And you go into it, and you just put it in your cart. And in your cart, when you're done checking out, you want to use Jeep Jam, all one word, and get that uh, CB. Um, it's a... Uh, Pro 510, um, you get a coax cable with mount and uh, an antenna, all four of those things for those items, um, all for $100. And we also have some other specials going on right now, too. So go to our website. Um, there's on the, on the menu at the very top, it'll say CB World Specials. We have all sorts of good deals going on on different kits and products specifically and one of them is, hey, buy a Peaked and Tune radio, and you get a fantastic speaker for discounted price. And so there's some great deals happening right now. Yeah, all sorts of incentives. I'm on the website right now, and I'm seeing a bunch of stuff that's looking very attractive. And by the way, great-looking website, guys. CBWorld.com. They're on Facebook. We'll have a link to their website as well as their social media in the show notes for this episode. And, of course, we'll go ahead and put in that keyword that you're going to need, Jeep Jam, to get that $100 communication special from CB World. Thanks again. I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to uh, talk with us and our listeners about communications. We can really peel back the layers a little bit. Talked about some good info there. So thanks again, Mariah and Susan from CB World. Glad to have you guys thank on. You. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you, everybody else, too. <laughs> Big thanks once again to Mariah and Susan for taking the time to talk about CB World and all they're doing to help keep us Jeepers communicating on the trails. And uh, hey, if you have an idea for a guest or maybe you work in the off-road industry yourself, maybe you know somebody who does work in the off-road industry. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Everybody has a Jeep story to tell. We want to hear yours. That's right, yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? Very well, could be you. Hey, coming up next week, we're going to have great innovations. You heard about them recently when we uh, interviewed uh, the uh, the tech Jeep uh, group Jeep over tech. Jeep Tech, yeah, uh, over there on uh, the Facebook group, and uh, we had a great innovations uh, flag holder for JKs that we uh, they, we gave away thanks to them. So uh, great innovations going to be coming with us next week. We're going to be having a nice chat. We're all going to be stuffed full of uh, Christmas uh, food at that time. Mm-hmm. From the mind of Nikki 
G. Hey, this is Nikki G. I'd like to thank Gabe from Arrow X uh, coming on the show. Uh, my light bar uh, makes a whistling noise, but I really don't notice it as much through all the rattles and clunks and stuff. But sometimes when it quiets down, I can hear it. But uh, it sounds like this. I don't think it's really annoying. <laughs> but Gabe, I, my dad. I gotta correct you just once. Never, 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 under any circumstance, ever utter these words on this show again. Well, Aerox Industries, for one, is the uh, mothership company. Um, <laughs> mothership. Mothership. I about broke my front door down trying to get outside. <laughs> all right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. And you have a good one. Goodbye. Uh-huh. That was funny. They're grabbing the tinfoil. There's not enough! Mothership! <laughs> oh, I said it. It's back. Oh. Sorry, PG. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week we have the 8-mile lake tailgate table for the 07-17 Jeep JK and JKUs. It's just under $70 and comes with free shipping as well. And this is a tailgate table, a folding storage rack that mounts to the tailgate of your Jeep Wrangler and doubles as a shelf or a table. Constructed from lightweight aluminum alloy with stainless steel hardware, and it can hold up to a massive amount of 75 pounds. Easy installation, minor drilling is required, comes with all the needed accessories, installation guide, and position paper for marking the hole locations. Pretty cool little device, huh guys? That is cool. Uh, You know, it reminds me of something that I saw. We had uh, a few episodes back, maybe 10 episodes back, where it goes on the wheel. And it had a little chair yeah. next to it. Yeah, and that's it, right. It was a, like a table, like a TV tray table. I like that one because it goes on any vehicle and it's independent of, you know, whatever. you. Now, this is this is clearly dependent on, you know, having a, a JK or JKU right. for this particular model. Yeah. Now, one thing I liked about this one in particular, though, is it folds up and out of the way. And it, it stores in a vertical position in the back of your, you know, basically mm-hmm. mounted to the inside back of your tailgate. Now, but it's also... Is a uh, is a uh, what is it? Uh, Molly, Molly, Molly. God, I always brain fart Molly on the panel. Right, yeah. Molly. Yeah. So it's got a Molly panel on it that you can put, you know, your your first aid kit or you know recovery oh. bag or something like that on there as well. So you you get some additional storage to boot, but then you also have the functionality of this table that just folds down. No, you don't have to take off your 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 Molly bags or anything like that. You just fold it down. It's got uh, really heavy-duty latches that keep it locked into position in the vertical spot. And then it's got steel cables that actually hold it in its horizontal position when it's down, giving it that 75-pound capacity rating there. So really cool. I I, I picked this one because it's heavy-duty. It's lightweight. It's very strong. It's multifunction. It just it clicks all the boxes, so that's yeah. why this is a must-have. Now that you must have a must, well, one of these tailgate tables for your very own, we're going to make it very easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for this episode. It's episode 364. You can get one of these for your very own. So just mention this as a safety thing. Don't sit on this. Uh, Ooh, yeah. At 75 no. pounds, you'd have to be carrying carpenter for this thing not to break under your weight. I was going to say, you might be able to, you know, use this as a diaper changing table, but that would be about it. Yeah, that's not a bad (laughs) idea. But um, 
I thought this was really cool, and I'm like, I want one, but I already have the Molly tailgate panel. Oh, you can ha- never have enough Molly. Well, Tammy, uh, I would somebody say out there named Molly I smiling. Replace it with this. Yeah, and put my Molly yeah. bags on this, so I exactly. Could dual. You know, you know, I don't even have a JK or JKU, but if this thing was sixty nine dollars, even I'd buy one. Oh, but that extra ninety cents now. Oh uh, yeah, is, forget yeah, it. Yeah. Deal breaker. Cheapo. <laughs> <laughs> There's people out there that got that joke. <laughs> Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. Hey, Tony and Josh, thanks for giving me the night off, but I didn't want to leave you empty handed. And I know folks were probably wanting to hear the part three of my What is a Wrangler series. <laughs> That's what happens when you press the buttons. It's just above the one for the driving into the woods i was like what the heck <laughs> i'm not off i'm right here Tony. i was gonna say pretty sure she's been here the whole night but all right <laughs> oh that route one six fire pit is uh really warm oh, i know i love it i'm I, taking it home with me tonight oh i don't know <laughs> we'll see oh, we'll last, time, last, time you, last time you passed out from all that wine you know i can't you really must have good neck muscles to have that box of on the wine hat <laughs> that you wear it's uh that's impressive well i got nothing guys uh really it's it's been a, a hell week uh both working and business wise uh everybody's trying to get projects in and done Those and i haven't had time bastards. for anything uh jeep related so i'm i'm I am. I am the. Uh, I'm not. I'm not much of a good jeeper this week. What are you doing for uh, Christmas dinner? I know that's next week, but still. Uh, ham uh, Christmas Eve and then prime rib Christmas Day. Oh, that's right. I remember that. You do prime rib every year. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's turkey for me. I don't know what we're going to do. I was telling you know it's it really uh, here. It's always been Thanksgiving too. Whatever yeah. we had on Thanksgiving, we have on uh, on Christmas. And it's just, it's just way too much work. And I keep telling her year mm-hmm. after year, don't do that. And I, I, this year, she's finally going to, it's going to be something in a pot. So, you know, something that you can dip out of a pot. Uh, so, I, I, I haven't thought of what it could be yet. I mean, I came up with chili. some other things. We just, <laughs> we just had chili. So, but yeah, chili would be good. I guess we could do chili again. Well, for me, not a whole, just a lot of social media, Jeep stuff. I, oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I won two things this week. I'm so excited. Um, Clayton Off-Road had a little contest on their Facebook page. Post your Jeep picture here and tell us why you should win um, one of four Roush Creek passes and, and you had I those won. and you had cool. those pictures of uh clayton from that trip that you were oh, on oh no no no, no. <laughs> no i forget i actually did the top five reasons i should win <laughs> oh and of course I, you did <laughs> i know and i don't remember i oh i put because jeep girls rock um jeep moms are um oh i like the new england patriots clayton is a new england patriots fan but you don't um i forget you what lied. the other ones were <laughs> Pardon? You don't. You lied. Well, I was not that fan one game, but I like them all other games. Okay. I was pretty sure it was just that uh, purple team, whatever it is. The Vikings. Vikings. There um, you go. That purple team. Um, the other thing I won, and this was a total surprise, I get a text like right before I'm going to bed, and it's from Charlene Bauer from Ladies Off-Road Network. 
And she's like, you won the big gift. What size men's t-shirt do you wear? And I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? But she was doing um, a 12 Days of Christmas giveaway. Oh, very nice. And I know. And I won some t-shirts, a hat, a knife, um, a carabiner thing. Um, so anyway, that's in the mail. So that was really exciting. Um, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe I'll win the lottery too. Did you hear about the lottery ticket? The $1.5 no. billion dollar lottery ticket that is has remained unclaimed? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. And yeah, the store, like, they, to... they got to hold on to that for like a year, don't they? And the store that uh, that sold it is going to get fifty thousand dollars if it's if it's cashed in. If not, oh, they lose yeah. it too. Wow! <laughs> what if the person lost the ticket? Oh my god! You know that's what happened. Uh huh. I'd be so pissed. I'll never win. Why should I even check? Well, why no, they wash? You, the, they why she buy it? Wallet. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um. The other. thing just a couple other little things somebody posted on crawl her nation my hell's revenge video when i was in moab <laughs> and he writes some people should drink more she's either having an <laughs> orgasm or labor pains anyway, oh no kind of funny yeah well, that's a chicken or egg thing you know which one came yeah. first <laughs> um the other thing i forgot to tell you guys this tony and josh and I can't remember where this was posted, if it was on my Facebook, YouTube, or whatever. Um, oh, it must have been my YouTube, because on my one of my YouTube videos, I mentioned the Jeep Talk show. It was when I opened my glove box and went into the um, behind the glove box in my black hole, and I found the Jeep Talk show stickers, so I announced I would give them away. And um, anyway, one of the viewers subscribers said he loves the jeep talk show and it always makes him laugh out loud at work which i didn't really think we were that funny but i guess we are well you're and not tammy i am I, yeah <laughs> so it's anyway I, just wanted thing. To, I wanted to share that with you guys that somebody thinks we're funny yeah it's great i love hearing from folks uh it's uh we love all these questions that we're getting in there's a bunch of questions uh that are being mailed into us so uh, it's it's wonderful hearing from you folks. We love hearing from you. Well, there's no accounting for taste, so <laughs> <laughs> very true. No, I, I'm I'm with Tony on that. We we love the feedback. We love the interaction, uh, and uh, it just it tickles our tickles tickles us pink when uh, when you guys reach out to us. Wait, well, hey, how about you? How about you do that? How about you reach out to us? <laughs> Join in on the campfire side chat. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us. Hey, now let's get into some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. Let us know about your event, an event that you are throwing or an event that you even just know about. Head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and click and fill out our wheeling wear form. The information comes straight to us and we'll get it out on the air. Coming up January 19th, Badlands Off-Road Adventures presenting a sand dude off-road driving instruction class. Now, this one is kind of uh, important. A lot of people think that driving on the sand is just the same as driving on the trails or driving on uh, the on the street. Big difference. Uh, if you've never driven it on the sand, well, you definitely need a little bit of instruction. This is happening January 19th at Grover Beach, California, and happening January 25th through the 27th, the California Four-Wheel Drive Association is presenting their Winter Fun Festival. This is happening in Grass Valley, California. Now, for more information on these events or any others that we've uh, talked about, We'll have the links uh, in this episode, for in the show notes for this episode, rather, and you can click on those and get all the information you need. 
That's it for the show this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to find, friend, and like us on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Well, it was the summer of 91. I was just coming of age, and she had a Jeep, and we both had way too much alcohol. I think you can guess what happened next. It's the age-old story. Boy meets girl. Boy meets girl's Jeep. Boy mods and breaks girl's Jeep. Girl breaks boy's heart. It's a story as old as the stars themselves, yet it seems like it was just yesterday. No, 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 no. Here comes Xy Talk, here comes Xy Talk, all up in your ears. Tony and Josh giving you lots of goods. All There's people wondering, the Xy Talk? What's Xy Talk? talk? <laughs> this is tradition, Josh. This is a, an annual or an anal tradition that we have every you know, year. I, I forget about it or the you know part of me just hopes that the file gets corrupted each year. I don't know. <laughs> this is in the archives, man. It's safe. It's on optical. Yeah, this is like what? I mean, 2011. <laughs> this is so long ago. Uh, it makes you wish Christmas was every day. I want to wish everybody out there uh, a very merry Christmas, and uh, we'll be back before the new year. But uh, if uh, if you don't listen to us before the new year, uh, have a very uh, happy and profitable and safe uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's. May you get lots of Jeep parts. Or Legos. Podcasting since 2010.